Performance art meets political activism. And we'll talk about it on this episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. Is everybody ready for the Mind Dog to make the show? And welcome, my friends, to yet another episode of the Mind Dog TV Podcast. I'm Matt Napo. Thanks for coming. It's great to have you here, as always. Uh, Monday night, I don't know what to expect tonight, folks. I, I have to tell you, uh, this is a going to be a uh, a different kind of Mind Dog TV podcast. We'll we'll, uh, we'll go down some roads we probably haven't traveled before. Uh, I would say this: if you're a Trump supporter, and I know we have some of those. Uh, in the audience, maybe you want to come back another night. <laughs> I'll just give you that. Uh, now, I guess tonight, uh, his name com- conjures up a whole imagery, it's kind of misleading in my view, uh, of uh, Dustin Hoffman, uh, famous for 15 minutes or so. I guess that's all I want to say about it right now. I really don't know what to expect tonight. I can promise you it should be interesting. Please hang around with us. Uh, tonight's show is brought to you by audiobooksnow.com. Audiobooks Now. You know about audiobooks. You know about the convenience of audiobooks. And you also know you can get them just about anywhere on the web. So why audiobooksnow.com? Well, the answer is simple. Price point, price point, price point. Audiobooks Now Club pricing plan is simply the best deal on audiobooks you'll find. It offers the savings and flexibility not found anywhere else. With their save-on-everything discounts, rollovers, exclusive offers, loyalty program, incredible selection, and cancel-anytime policy, it simply cannot be beat. Plus, get a free premium audiobook on select titles when you click the link that's in the description. Uh, you could, we'll also start a 30-day free trial, uh, which is uh, normally $4.99 a month of the club pricing plan. You're not happy at any time. You just cancel. You won't be billed a penny. It's a great deal, folks. You can't. You can read a lot of books or listen to a lot of books in 30 days. I should say. I'm feeling a little bit like uh, Groucho here when I'm do- delivering that line. I don't know. So I'm a little silly tonight, but I'm expecting kind of a, a different kind of program, as I said. Now, with audiobooks now, you save on every audiobook you, you purchase. Uh, they don't use gimmicky, gimmicky credits or hide the true costs. Whether you want to save big through the club pricing plan or simply purchase at their everyday low prices, they offer one of the largest selections of audiobooks anywhere. You can download or stream your audiobooks through the website or free apps, and all the apps include in-app purchasing. Okay, uh, my guest tonight uh, goes by the name of Tootsie Warhol, Dustin Hoffman, Andy Warhol. I don't know, uh, but Tootsie Warhol is a New York-based artist and activist with a law degree and degree in, uh, I believe, in Spanish, a BA in Spanish, a uh, very educated man who was a lawyer who is now dedicated uh, to performance art, satirizing Donald J. Trump. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please open your ears, open your minds, and help me welcome in Tootsie Warhol to the Mind Dog TV podcast. Tootsie, welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Matt. This is a pleasure. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you here. Now, uh, you're a young man. I, I imagine your parents are still alive. Yes, my mother is. Okay, well, uh, when you told your mother, uh, I'm giving up law to be a performance artist, uh, what was the reaction? <laughs> A little nervous, a little nervous, but, uh, you know, uh, my mother has done many great things. She, she used to be an emergency room nurse and she, you know, raised a beautiful family. 
But uh, not until her 60s now did I turn her into an activist. So we were hitting the streets of New York City and connecting with people uh, for the last two years. Um, and that was a special experience to do that with my mom. And I appreciate her support. So, Oh, your, your mom has been doing this with you. She'll, she'll be out there with me when we were campaigning uh, against uh, Donald Trump uh, and doing performance art, uh, handing out flyers to people, taking pictures with people, things like that. She's very helpful. Mama Warhol, we call her. Mama Warhol. And then she brings her little uh, Yorkie, uh, four pounds of love and joy, Little Stormy Daniels. That's her name, Little Stormy Daniels. <laughs> Now, uh, I, I got to uh, bring up some pictures of the website in a moment and just show people what you look like when you're made up. Now, uh, I, I, a lot of people wanted to be active in the political thing. And to be honest with you, and people know this, I am not a Donald J. Trump supporter in any way. And, but I don't think I would ever be uh, so inclined to go to the kind of extremes that you do. What, what, what made you... Uh, and, and for the folk, let's just start with it. Describe exactly to the folks exactly what it is that you're doing. Sure. Well, uh, well, a picture's worth a thousand words. So hopefully you'll get some pictures on here or you just Google Tootsie Warhol and it'll come right up. But um, it this is a, a satirical Donald Trump performance that I've done uh, for the last two years and that I continue to do uh, where I paint my face orange. I've got a blonde wig. I've got a pillow from Bed Bath & Beyond. I've got the very long tie, uh, red tie. And, uh, you know, it is a, um, it is a crude uh, uh, caricature of Donald Trump. And it's based on my meeting with Donald Trump four years ago uh, when I was working as a lawyer, I went with Martin Luther King III and other civil rights. Yeah, there's the photo right there. Uh, and other civil rights leaders to discuss voter suppression, which is something that is still in the news front page every day this week. Uh, what's going on in Florida, what's going on in Texas. So I was working with a group to very simply just make it easier for people to vote. Sounds like a pretty um, noble and agreeable goal. And we, we spent an hour in Trump Tower. This was the week that he was inaugurated, 2017, and uh, he was going to the White House that week. And, uh, you know, he said some uh, he said some pretty outlandish things in there. Um, legend has it that I actually tape recorded this meeting uh, secretly. And I did not release that publicly until uh, the summer of last year. And he said some things. I mean, one of the most classic things that he said was, uh, and remember, he's speaking to Martin Luther King III, and this was on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. So it's a very special day. And Trump goes, I listen better to the African-American people, better than anyone else, better than anyone in this room. And we're sitting there going, is he saying that he has like a better engagement than the son of MLK, you know? <laughs> Well, we didn't know what to say, you know. Well, it, that's not surprising to me at all because he does everything better than any human that's ever uh, uh, existed. Yeah, I don't care what. It's tremendous! It's the greatest. We're doing <laughs> numbers. We're doing record numbers. Um, but I want to give a shout out to the people. If you're if you're tuning in, hang with us. If you like Donald Trump, that doesn't mean I don't like you personally. You know, this is politics, and I try not to make it uh, personal. And in fact, one of my uh, very good colleagues and friends. Uh, the Naked Cowboy. He's the famous guy in Times Square for over 20 years. Uh, he is a big Trump supporter. And when I was in, in Times Square for six weeks leading up to the election every day, um, 
he was out there with a Donald Trump guitar and singing songs about Trump. But we both love America. We both love New York. And we, you know, we still got along. We agreed to disagree and we're still friends. So I got, I got to tell you, that's pretty surprising. And uh, I did not know that uh, the, the naked cowboy was a Trump guy, but it's surprising that uh, the two of you got along well. Uh, but and congratulations on that. I yeah. think we, we need more of that. But I, I don't think uh, you might be open to them. I don't think it, it's, it's going- hard these days. But they said that ju- that that uh, RBG and Justice Scalia arrest both of them. Uh, that they were, you know, they're totally opposite sides of the fence in terms of the Supreme Court, but they were very good friends. They went to the opera and things like that. So they were very civilized, you know, so that's a good thing to learn. That's, that's, uh, I believe that completely. I want to ask you about this picture because you said, uh, I think you said it was a legend or uh, rumor has it or something like that, that that the tape was, uh, (laughs) that you taped this. Now this looks photoshopped. Is that photoshopped or is that real? You're standing Uh, I don't have Photoshop. I don't know how to do Photoshop. (laughs) And that's one of the things that's interesting about my artwork is that I have, remember, I have a degree in history in Spanish and I have a degree in law. I have no art training. So when I'm making art, it's really just from my guts and soul and and grit and determination. I do not have a lot of artistic tools. But no, I all all I did in this, it's really one of my most famous works. It's called Self-Portrait with Orange Person. And it's me with Trump and Martin Luther King III and six other guys. I'm the only one uh, I'm 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 right behind MLK, two two over from Trump, right. and I'm the only one who doesn't have uh, my thumb up. Uh, and so the question is, where is my thumb? And I'm actually kind of standing a little behind Trump, so <laughs> somewhere you don't know where it is. But uh, no, that's not Photoshop. I just scribbled on my iPhone, stick your thumb, and I put a I put a little horns on Trump and things like that. But I don't have a Photoshop. And then and it was in on the front page online in the New York Times, um, and so. You know, like Matt Napo, who if you guys don't follow, it's I think it's Matt Napo one on Instagram and you have to follow Mind Dog TV on YouTube and the podcast. This guy is a dynamo. Really can I say he's the next Joe Rogan? I mean, he really uh is doing so many shows and hustling and bringing on tremendous creative people, comedians. He's a dynamo. He really is a, a media company in and of himself. So, uh, congratulations to Matt Napo, but um, and follow Tootsie Warhol, please. Why? Why? why uh, please but, do. Uh, oh yeah. Let me let me put that um, banner up. Hold on, I forgot about the banner. There yeah. you go. I was so in, in, in. Well, thank you for the for the plug and all that stuff. I appreciate that. And my my, I'm gonna definitely cut up the, uh, a little bit of that and, and music for promotion. <laughs> but I was saying I wasn't think I wasn't gonna paint my face orange. I wasn't doing any. I was like you. I was like, okay, I don't like Trump, but you know, I'm living my life. But then I got, boom, and I'm in the lion's den, you know, and it's smack. And then I'm in the front page of the New York Times shaking hands with him. And I go, now I'm in too deep, so I have to do more. Uh, And that inspired me to uh, start to use uh, art as a means for the activism. Right. I got to ask you, though, I mean, you shook his hand. I got my reaction to that would be really, uh, I need to go wash my hand. and. I just don't know how you could shake the man's hand feeling uh, and knowing what he's all about and knowing everything is behind and uh, about and all that stuff. It would give me, just make me want to puke. Uh, did it give you any kind of physical reaction, like any hesitancy, pull back any? 
<laughs> I wanted to shake his hand because, you know, it's a kind of, especially before coronavirus, and I think it will come back, it's a kind of a thing, especially for men in a meeting. It's like, did you know, or you met Michael Jordan, did you get his autograph, did you take a picture with him, did you shake his hand? It's kind of a thing, you know, to do. And um, I'm glad I did. It doesn't mean that we're BFF, but when I shook his hand, it's the only, I had never done any Donald Trump impersonation or voice before. I'm, I'm not as talented as uh, Jimmy Fallon with all the voices. But um, after the meeting, when people asked me, they said, what the hell was that? I saw you, you're on CNN, you're on every channel, walking out of the elevator at Trump Tower, there's a million cameras and you're shaking hands with him. And, and that's when I said, you know, this Andy Warhol, when he said in the future, everyone will be famous for 15 minutes, I said it came true. You know, cause I wasn't famous before that. I was just, you know, regular guy. And and I but I wanted to shake his hand and I'm glad I did because I think he gave me the voice, the beast, I call it, that I had never done a Trump impression. And then I started telling people about the meeting and they they loved it. They were always saying, Tootsie, Tootsie, do the, you know, do the voice. And, uh, and you know, it's really people enjoy it. It's there are even a lot of Trump supporters who I meet in the streets of New York City who just can't help but laugh when they see me painted that way and I'm being friendly, I'm not hostile on the streets and uh, and they even sometimes want to take a picture with me and have a laugh. Yeah. Did he try to manhandle you at all? Because I noticed when he does shake hands, he, he tries to do that thing where he kind of takes control. He pulled me in. I heard about that. So I was aware, but I knew he was coming in strong. So I, I had to, you know, <laughs> I, I firmed it up a little bit and, I mean, it's just a surreal experience, though, especially with all the cameras right there. It would have been one thing if I shook his hand in, in the office, but I did it in front of all the... It was like I blacked out, it went to another galaxy, and then came back, and I was still shaking his hand. I mean, it was like a out-of-body experience. Wow. So in New York, do you feel like um, you made any difference in New York as far as uh, from, from the political... Because I, I talk about this all the time. I, we, with, because of the Electoral College, we think our vote counts, but I knew beforehand, I, I'm in New York, and it doesn't matter how, how I vote. The state, the state is going to vote a certain way anyway, so my vote doesn't matter, no matter how I'm voting. Do you think you made a difference in New York? I think so. I mean, you have a good point that if I, you know, it, we, it was in a pandemic when I was doing a lot of this campaigning and um, I don't have a private jet to be flying me around to different states. So I make do with what I can, you know, in my hometown. But uh, it, it could have been more impactful if I went to a swing state. But that being said, it was there are lots of people that I met in New York who were not uh, voting in New York. I met right. thousands of people. Right. And in two summers, I did protests all summer long, not 2019 and 2020. And also, I think just by having my conversations with them, uh, I may have encouraged them to vote at all, you know, because a lot of people said, well, I wasn't going to vote. And I'm out there and I'm saying, come on, vote for someone. Do it. I want you to vote whoever it's going to be for. I hope that you'll agree with me. But if not, still just get out there and vote. So um, I think we made a difference. And really, the the biggest thing, you know, in addition to the real engagement that I had with thousands of people doing this performance art, um, I, when I leaked the secret tape to the New York Times, it was on September 12th this past year, front page above the fold, the headline was, in meetings with uh, black leaders, Trump opts for uh, photo ops instead of substance. And then the whole thing is just quoting my tape. That was a front page article that is not spin. I mean, it really just quotes what he said to black leaders um, and that could have influenced people's minds, you know, so that I think was quite impactful. 
I'm uh, I'm kind of stunned at the moment uh, because I consider myself a pretty uh, active. Try to stay informed as I as I possibly can. I don't get my news necessarily from mainstream media. I do follow New York uh, New York Times to some extent, but uh, not. But I never I didn't hear about this, and I'm, I'm I'm embarrassed by it. But I'm also a little yeah, bit so many news articles. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Uh, you talked about voter rights, and and I agree with you that you know it's, it's everywhere these days. Uh, but one of the things I, I heard brought up is about uh, about the new uh, ge- uh, the Georgia law that says you can't uh, bring water or food to people online. And somebody brought up that well, it's been the case in New York uh, for for a long time. Is that true? I'm not aware of that. Uh, well, if I would <laughs> think if we're, if we're worried about voter rights, the thing, you know, uh, yeah. protecting voter rights, I think we got to start at home, don't we? Absolutely. New York has traditionally been one of the states in which it's most difficult to vote. Right. Um, you know, it's only on, you know, traditionally on one day. And if you're working, it's very difficult. If you have kids that you're taking care of, it's very difficult. And uh, you use they made a lot of states made it easier to vote in the pandemic because they were worried about too many people showing up at one time with the, with the virus. But New York d- did not have a good voting record. So there are things that all of us can be doing to um, increase the voter turnout. And that's something, even though I no longer work with the, the group that uh, Martin Luther King Jr. started, uh, I do many things in his legacy. And I know that he would want to uh, make it easier for people to vote. Every- yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I agree. Uh, and uh, I think in my comparison with that, I'm not sure the the difficulty of not bringing water to people online and that kind of stuff was necessarily as big a deal towards um, keeping minorities or, or discouraging the minority vote as it would be in, in like a, a rural area where, uh, you know, a lot of poor uh, minorities live and the, it's not right down the block. You can't just get off on, get offline and just run next door and grab something. And, Cause New York city, you can get stuff. You can get water, get anything, any to, within a uh, spit zone of wherever yeah. you are. It's, it's everywhere. So, yeah. I don't know where, about it, but uh, I do think it's a complicated thing, and um, I I just think there there is too much of a um, effort by people who who want to continue to have power to um, discourage vote uh, or and uh, really do anything they can to bl- block minority vote, uh, and it's a big problem. Um, but so what 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 can be done on a realistic level uh, to to combat that nationwide? Um, I think if they make the, I mean, there are, there are a number of things, um, but, uh, if they made the, uh, election day, a national holiday, uh, if they made it that you were able to vote over a a span of more than one day in case you don't have that day off of work. And, uh, you know, I guess it's important just a lot of states, they did, they did something that was temporary, um, where they allowed you to mail in votes, um, even if you didn't have an excuse, like you're serving in the military, uh, things like that. There are states where you had to say, I'm living outside of the state or the, or serving um, to even vote by mail. But, um, but we want to keep those things around so that people have options. Because um, when you look at America, um, you know, everybody knows America for democracy around the world, but re- really our turnout in elections 
uh, especially in non-presidential elections, is very low compared to the rest of the world. So it's a shame. But I think, you know, we have uh, we have Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are doing as much as they can. And I think, uh, you know, hope, I'm hopeful for the future. Uh, what, what did you say to people that uh, would say that um, uh, the Democrats just want to bring in more illegal immigrants because minorities are all, always going to vote Democrat? What, what would your response to be that that line be? You, I mean, who can say who's going to vote which way? Right. <laughs> I think right there you can't prove that anyone is going to vote either way. I think Trump Trump did very very well with uh, Latino voters. So uh, who knows? Yeah. Especially the Cuban community in, in yeah. South Florida. I think they made a difference and gave, gave him Florida. That would be my argument against that. And you're right. You never know. But that, that in itself is racist and bigotry, assuming that somebody's a minority and they're going to vote for Democrats rather than Republicans. I, <laughs> yeah. I, the, the, the reason why it's important for us to continue to bring immigrants to this country legally, but, you know, in a, in, um, sizable numbers, as we have always done in America, and especially refugees. And I think Biden is increasing the refugees uh, numbers today. Um, my father came to this country as a refugee. And he, he came here from Baghdad in 1950. And they were making it very difficult uh, for Jewish people to have uh, businesses or own property. It was really, I mean, they all fled. They really, the whole Jewish community left. Um, and it was a terrible time for them there. So he's very fortunate that America took him in and then he worked hard and contributed uh, a lot to this country. He was actually an immigration lawyer for over 40 years. He has passed now. Um, so that was w one of the reasons why when I met with Trump, given how hateful his rhetoric had been towards immigrants, you know, they're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists. I said, that's my father. He is not a rapist, you know. My grandfather, too. Yeah. yeah. Where, where did he come from? My grandfather's uh, more from Italy and Ireland. Mm -hmm. my, gra my grandfather came here as an orphan from Ireland in uh, 1895. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, you know, he worked very hard to, to build himself, uh, you know, no parents got out of an orphanage and supported himself and supported a family his whole life. Very hardworking man. So, you know, and my, my other grandfather came to America and became a business owner and uh, a landlord in New York city. So, I mean, they were hardworking people. They weren't uh rapist murderers and whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so these are great American success stories and part of our heritage, especially, you know, in New York with Ellis Island and all of that. So, um, it's important, and uh, I, I think we're 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 back on the right track. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> uh, I, I I hate to ask this, but are you uh, you can't be making a lot of money from this? Because I'm thinking about w walking away from a law degree, a law practice. Yeah, it's uh, it's a big sacrifice on your part. It's difficult. Yeah. You know, it. it I would probably be doing some of the law um, remotely and not doing full-time art and activism, but actually it was in the Daily News uh, about two weeks ago, page 10 um, in the Sunday edition, about the circumstances under which I left my former employment. And there, it, it, it was big, big story um, on uh, two occasions, my former boss, uh, he asked me to make donations to political figures. One was to Andrew Yang and the other was to Sheldon Whitehouse. 
Um, that was when Yang was running for president. And he goes, I want to pay you back in cash, but I want you to make these donations. And that's illegal. It's called a straw donation. And um, then I saw him do this. And he has actually been in the news suspected of doing this at a large scale for decades. His name is William Wachtel. Uh, the law firm is Wachtel Mystery. And um, now he is under FEC investigation for this. So it, it, that, uh, they, you know, the, the firm fired me when I didn't want to make this donation. So Holy crap. Yeah, so it was an unfortunate circumstance, but um, it, you know, at least it, it, it was clearly a, a very toxic workplace that I was not going to be good to be in anymore. Um, so at least I'm doing the right thing now. I still could uh, work as a lawyer someday in the future. Um, but at the moment, um, I'm doing the art and activism. And you are right, Matt. It is difficult. The goal for Tootsie Warhol and Tootsie Warhol Industries is, uh, you know, I'm doing the performances mostly uh, and and still doing them. I have a, a big one coming up in a week and a half. But, uh, but I'm selling prints of me in the costume and things like that that are limited edition. And those are the kind of things that hopefully they'll be selling more and more in art galleries in New York and Maybe one day you'll walk into the Museum of Modern Art and see one of me, and you'll say, that's that crazy guy I had on my podcast. So, <laughs> uh, Where is the big event coming up in a week and a half? So that is, it is a uh, performance art uh, festival. It is in New York City, May 14, 15, and 16, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's called Art in Odd Places. And this has been happening for about 15 or so years. It's, it's really uh, in the performance art world. It's quite well known. And I will be dressed in my Trump character. I'm going to have a, a little bit of a new look. It's going to be the post-presidential look. So it's a bit more of the golfing Mar-a-Lago look. And, um, and I'll be all along 14th Street uh, all day, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Um, meeting people. And hopefully, you know, now that we are, are finally uh, beating the coronavirus um, with our vaccine rollout, that we can shake more hands and take more pictures with people. So that's going to be very fun. But yeah. the, the thing that I'll be doing um, in this, this performance, which is new, is discussing, I don't know if you've seen the very famous, it's an incredible painting, uh, the green uh, leaves in the background, the official presidential portrait of Barack Obama. Have you ever seen that one? Uh, no, I haven't. In the National Portrait Gallery. So, you know, every president gets, and, vice, and, and first lady gets one official presidential portrait and it hangs in the dc national portrait gallery and th and it was unveiled about two years ago of obama and i love barack obama maybe my favorite president ever and i'm a, a history major um and also i love the artist kahindi wiley is also one of my favorite artists uh and the painting is unbelievable but it was made in china this very <laughs> very official presidential uh, one of a kind, you, you know, super American painting. Uh, the artist's studio is in China. And I love the Chinese people. I have no problem, you know, if you want to make things in China. But this one is really, you know, it's a special one. And it's not a coincidence that, you know, the president, he, yeah, that's it. The president, you know, the beast, the presidential limo, it's a Cadillac. It's an American company. It, it's made in America. It's, it's not a Rolls Royce, which would be a lot nicer but that's would be made in England, right? And it's the same reason why the Air Force One is a Boeing. It's made in America. It's not an Airbus because that would be made in France. So I think it is quite a, a little bit of a controversy 
that this painting was made in China. Um, and, uh, and I hope we're going to have some conversations about it. Did, did he uh, uh, sit for it? Did so the artist takes a picture of Obama, and then he paints it, and he has uh, a studio in China. Interesting. I, I, I find myself uh, shocked at how little I know. <laughs> I, thought, I thought I was pretty well informed until tonight. Uh, yeah, they wrote one story on it, but in the art world, it was pretty much overlooked. Um, but it, it's almost like we have – and look, it's a fun thing. Like I said, I love Obama. I love Kahindi White. I have enormous respect for them. They've done more in their lifetime than I could ever even hope to achieve. I mean, Kehinde Wiley is one of the biggest artists in the country. He's an American black artist, a great artist. But um, but this one, I just think it was a little bit of a boo-boo where they go, they didn't really pay attention to say, you know, this is a really, it's going to be there, uh, you know, in 2000 years, I hope America is still doing well in the National Portrait Gallery. And they'll, when kids want to learn about Barack Obama, and then they go, we have 331 million people in this country and we couldn't figure out one way to make a decent painting, one painting in this country, right. you know, we outsourced yeah. it to China. Yeah. Uh, and I just, just, just this past week, Biden said, um, we are in a battle. His quotes are, we are in a battle to win the 21st century with China. And then he said that there's no reason he's talking about his green energy bill that there's no reason why the blades on a windmill can't be made in Pittsburgh instead of Beijing. These are direct quotes from Biden this week. Right. And I think that this painting is completely inconsistent with that messaging. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, uh, you know, I applaud your optimism that we're going to be here a thousand years or two thousand years from now. So. Uh, I don't. I'm. I don't know where. You, where you, but I applaud your optimism. But I don't know how, how you can sustain that, man. It's, I. I have, maybe because I'm a, a extreme pessimist. But I don't know. The world's in a bad place, and I think we're. Even though um, the four years of Donald Trump have passed, I don't think the division is necessarily healed. It's just it's got more. There's nothing to argue about on a daily basis because Biden isn't tweeting out uh, every thought he has constantly and giving us something to fight about. But I, th I still think we're as, as divided as we were six months ago, eight months ago. Yeah, still very divided. Yeah. yeah. Um, so do you ha have any uh, insight or, or intuition about what the future holds? Because you're doing Donald Trump uh, and I, he's – He's out of the White House, and you're doing post-presidency Trump. But what about the possibility of doing uh, indicted uh, Trump or uh, wow. perhaps prisoner Trump? Do you, do you have any uh, thoughts on that? <laughs> you know, I, it's hard to fathom. Uh, it's hard to fathom. I know he's under an investigation um, in Georgia and in New York. Um, but uh, I, I, haven't, I haven't even thought about that. But, but right now... It, it's more, it's about uh, Trump. So even Trump now, he's thinking about his legacy, right? And this painting is about Obama's legacy. And just last week, they put the photo in the place where the Trump painting will go. So my satirical Trump character is sort of a, you know, a mutated Donald Trump from the depths of Mar-a-Lago who is thinking about his own legacy and his own painting, which is being set up and commissioned right now but then also fixated that the Obama one of all countries, you know, it wasn't made in India, it wasn't made in Vietnam, that Trump has this, you know, unique obsession with China. Right. Um, but uh, look, I, I, I used to be a prosecutor. I, I was um, a assistant district attorney in the Brooklyn DA's office 
for a number of years in the 2010s. And I was in the Domestic Violence Bureau. So I was helping uh, almost all women um, and mostly Spanish speaking um, victims of domestic violence. And that was a very rewarding experience for me. But as a former prosecutor, I hope that anyone who has broken the law um, has, uh, you know, whatever justice that, you know, that they deserve uh, met with them. Yeah, it does seem like um, there are there are definitely uh, two standards for uh, who gets uh, you know who gets prosecuted and who doesn't in this yes. country. Uh, that's a, a shameful thing. But um, I'm just curious about uh, because Trump has still has a hold on the GOP, uh, mm-hmm. and but here's the thing that I can't figure out because if and there's so much I can't figure out about the, the cultism of Donald Trump. But if any other president would have lost them, the House of Representatives and kind of evened out the Senate on them and then lost the White House, uh, the, people would be jumping off ship pretty quickly. Yeah. Can you explain the loyalty behind somebody who lost everything and you still? I thought they were going to flush him out, you know, after January 6th, which was such a terrible and dark day for our country's history. Um I thought they'd say that was it. That was the final last, you know, straw and uh, flush him out. And now we have to move on without him. Um, But he he is still out there. He's still talking about running. He's still controlling the messaging. MAGA is a brand. It is a lifestyle. It's not just a hat. And that still is very much alive. Um, And and that's why I am uh, writing an op-ed that uh, I'll submit to the New York Times. I don't know if they're going to publish it, but some somebody will publish it. And it, it's going to say that uh, Donald Trump is still relevant and artists should not give up on him. So keep your eye on him. I will be doing other things. All of my art is activist art. Uh, so I will be tackling issues like uh, gun safety reform, which I heard you discuss with uh, the great Tommy Chong on one of your episodes recently. And nobody wants to see kids in school getting shot or what we saw in Atlanta uh, with the Asian hate. I mean, these are terrible things. So we have to come up with some better um, rules uh, to stop that uh, global warming. You know, it's still a huge problem. And we, I still think that my messaging through art can help um, because, you know, Donald Trump said global warming is a hoax. He said it's an expensive hoax. That's a quote. And it's is real. So we have to do things. So I'm going to be doing yard. But, you know, consistent with your show, you've had many great comedians on too. So much of, especially my performance, it is using comedy to connect to people and to bring a little levity because this is all very serious uh, stuff that we're dealing with here. So it's good to have a laugh, especially in 2020. It was a really challenging year for everyone. Right. Uh, and it was good that I, I was able to bring some laughter and performance to people at a time in New York City when theaters are shut and Broadway is shut and everything like that. Comedy clubs are shut. It's very sad. Uh, is it starting? To, you're a New York City resident, all right? Yes. Uh, is it starting to open up there more than it was? Because, uh, I mean, we talked with regards to the clubs and restaurants and stuff. Is it opening up more? It, it is. It's starting, and they made some big, annou- big announcements today that uh, – in a few weeks, many things will, will be open. So that's good news that we've, we're, we've figuring out a way to do it safely. 
So it occurs to me that if you were doing this uh, performance out on the streets of New York City during the pandemic, that there weren't a lot of tourists, or probably zero or, or close to zero percent tourists coming to New York City. So you're doing it for all for locals. Uh, and so you probably didn't see any anybody from, say, I don't know, Missouri or Kentucky come up and give you an attitude and say, hey, boy, what are you, what are you making fun of the greatest president ever lived? <laughs> we did. We did. Um, don't forget, 20, 28% of New York City, uh, all five boroughs, voted for Donald Trump in 2020. So that's, you know, you put 100 people in a movie theater, 28 of them voted for Donald Trump. That's a big crew. Uh, you know, wow. that's school bus. So it's not like nobody in New York City supports Donald Trump. So I had people yell things at me. I had people who disagreed with me. I had lots of people who just thought it was fun and wanted to take a picture. Uh, you're right, though. It was uh, a lot more locals. But, you know, there was a smattering of, of tourists. And, and I did do a performance in 2019. That was really where this uh, whole performance art was, was born. They, people say that Tootsie Warhol was conceived in Trump Tower. That means intercourse. And, and then I was born at the Whitney Museum, which is one of our biggest art museums in downtown New York. And in 2019, they had their big, big show called the Whitney Biennial. And it's all about what's happening in America right at that time through art. And it takes over the whole museum and the whole country looks to this show to see what's going on in the art world in New York City, the Big Apple. And they had next to nothing about Donald Trump, less than 1% of the show. And I said, look, love him or hate him. That was summer of 2019. I said, he's the president. He's very big and loud. He's a big deal. And I thought they needed a lot more conversation about Trump in the show. And that's where I had never done any performance before. I had never done acting classes or voice you know, lessons. And I just said, something just went off. And I just started painting my face orange. I ran down to the museum. I got the gold wig and the tie and everything. I thought they're going to throw me out or arrest me. I don't know what's going to happen. And eventually the people loved it. Eventually they said I, too many people wanted selfies with me in the museum. And they said, you have to stand in front of the museum after a few days. But I remained there for the better part of two months. And that was called Making the Biennial Great Again. And I mean, I, I, that was people from all over the world. That was summer 2019. And I can tell you, I mean, I had right at that time, there was uh, Trump was trying to buy Greenland. He thought it was like a big <laughs> deal. It was like a casino in Atlantic City. And a woman and her young son, she ran up to me and grabbed me. I didn't know she's from Greenland. She was just a blonde lady. And she runs up to me and she goes, Mr. President, you're trying to buy our country. And I said, oh, are you from Greenland? What are the chances? You know, because there aren't that many people in Greenland. <laughs> and she loved it. And I'm sure that that boy who was about 10 years old will remember the experience that he had. And, and we had a laugh about it because think about it. Some people from outside the U.S., they look at Trump as the leader. And then they think that most of the country elected him and supports him. So they might think that all Americans wanted to buy Greenland and support Trump. So they were able at least to have a laugh and see that I don't want to buy Greenland. I want them to keep their country and <laughs> I don't support Trump. And so we had a great laugh about it. And I really think, especially for the boy, we made a memorable art you know, ex experience in the museum. And it was great. Yeah, uh, he said so many crazy, ridiculous things that uh, I think 30, 20 years from now, we'll just look back and say, you know, the totalitarian of it, like it, it's all just seems like a 
a weird kind of nightmare. Like it, that, that couldn't have really happened. It's just really, you really, you really couldn't make it up. I mean, between QAnon and, uh, I mean, the virus and and all of the conspiracies and I mean, it 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 it, it was really crazy. I mean. He he is a fascinating person from just a celebrity, you know, appeal and an entertainer, a great entertainer. He makes me laugh, Trump. Uh, but when you combine it with the power that he had and then the fame that you get by being the most powerful person in the world, it really was a, something we have never seen before. Um, and uh, and really a tale for many generations to come. Right. And the idea, you know, people People discount the idea of leadership like a figurehead and modeling behavior for a country. But I think in some ways, in, in a lot of ways, he did model the behavior of uh, angry bullyism. And if somebody criticizes you anyway, you got to get you got to go as low as you possibly can. He modeled that behavior for us and is kind of is very much responsible for the way we treat each other uh, for the last five five or six years i guess not absolutely i mean the the whole the whole story i mean you can't make this stuff up but it hits me uh so personally in so many ways but i i got my undergraduate degree from university of virginia where we saw that memorable scene uh in in 2017 in charlottesville and you know he said there's very fine people on both sides and it was a terrorist attack. It was a hate group. And that is not, you know, what we should be proud of in America. And, uh, you know, I was raised a Jewish person. So to see them chanting Nazi things on my school grounds, it, yeah. it was very hurtful, you know. And that's, that is part of what motivated me to try and do more to stop that kind of a thing. Um, no, no other political person, you know, had ever motivated me to try and do something um, like Donald Trump. I, I don't think that I have that many disagreements with, with Republicans in a ways that I do with Trump. Right. Uh, I, I would definitely agree with that. I don't think he's he, re, he represents the Republican Party that I knew growing up at all yeah. in, in a lot of ways. I mean, he's uh, I don't know how to explain what he is, but he's definitely not a conservative in the true uh, true mold of, of William F. Buckley's conservatism and Ronald Reagan's conservatism. What are uh, you seeing comedians do now that, that he's out of office? Do you feel like the comedians are out of material? Well, it, it, only the real uh, the, the guys who weren't really creative uh, were were still doing Trump in comedy clubs because it be, it became too easy and too um, it was seen as something a hack would do. If you're going to go, you know, th that's an easy laugh or an easy uh, trigger point for people. So I don't think a lot of people were doing Trump on the okay. on the. Uh, but the Jimmy Fallon's and and the uh, the the Nitro uh, late night talk people they're going to struggle because they were basically doing everything on you know Stephen whatever his name Steve Colbert and uh, the other Jimmy Kimmel Trump, yeah yeah I don't know what they're going to do <laughs> I mean they look they had Obama they survived that was eight years right he was just a guy who showed up to work and did a job he wasn't yeah. dramatic uh so they they made they made a big whoever you know they the media made a big scandal about uh, maybe I, mean, it was, I think it was a certain part of the media made a scandal when Obama wore a tan suit to a meeting that was in summer, I believe, to discuss the Middle East, the tan suit scandal. Uh, and, you know, there's nothing that, that was 
that wouldn't even a, a register. I mean, there was when Trump wished Jelaine Maxwell, who is in jail for for allegedly sex trafficking children, he wished her well. And <laughs> then on podcasts, we're saying, how is how did he wish her a well? You know, she's she's best friends with Jeffrey Epstein, and and Obama's getting in trouble for a tan suit. So right, yeah. I'm, it, but, so so, do you think? Uh, I mean, crystal balling it. Do you think uh, that Trump was going to really run again in 2024? Do you think that's possible? I don't think so, but I I think that there's just, he's still such a powerful and magnetic figure that he can um, influence the next election for sure. But especially without, if he's not on social media and Facebook is going to decide whether he can return uh, this Wednesday, it's like fighting with one and a half hands behind your back. I mean, a, a, a political campaign is almost all on social media these days. But um, still something to be concerned about. But I have lots of other things planned, like I said. Um, I can't go into details on this, but I will be doing some sort of a performance that relates to Michael Jackson, which if you could just use your imagination, opens up lots of different, you know, controversial guys. So um, uh, it's not it's not my I will not be, uh, you know, defined by Donald Trump, but it will always be a special part of my, uh, you know, Form, formative part of my art and activism right and will uh the, the michael jackson thing also be uh, activist based yes okay and, and, and what kind of can you give us a little preview or a little kind of well i mean yeah i mean <laughs> he's having a show on broadway um celebrating his life and i think when you look at everything he did in his life it is not something to be celebrated you know when you take in the good and the bad so we're going to be doing things about that yeah, he was a really complicated character, and I I don't know, you know, I don't know what really happened there. I mean, you could believe what you want, but people can take different beliefs on it. Uh, no, I wasn't there. I don't know, so it's hard for me to judge yeah, that. Either way, either way, it's worth having a conversation about it, right? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. E- even if you take the little boy stuff out of it, he's yeah. still the, one of the weirdest people who ever lived. Absolutely, that would be that would be about the only thing weirder than Trump being president if Michael Jackson comes back from the dead and becomes president. That would be the the next record for weirdness. But um, either way. I just want to have a conversation with people about what do they think about Michael Jackson's legacy and how does the the Broadway show fit into that? So, yeah, and that that's somebody people get as emotional about as Trump. The people who, yeah. you know, they either hate him or love him, and yeah. it's, it's um, and I see we're seeing more of that cult of personality stuff get that become even more. Um, amplified as time goes by where people we're seeing more and more people who you either love or you hate and people yeah. you know uh it's, it's a shame to see that i mean well, we, we don't have uh royalty in america right so we have celebrities and that's why when andy warhol made the marilyn monroe with a gold background and it looks like you know the madonna from the bible um that's our celebrity in um, that's our religion in america is celebrity and fame and money um, so we saw that with Donald Trump. He worked it all the way to the top. So, right. Are you a War- big Warhol fan? Big Warhol fan. And the name Tootsie Warhol, it, it's a combination of Andy Warhol, because really what he is so famous for is working in pop culture and appropriation too, uh, borrowing other things from culture, Campbell soup cans, Jackie O, Marilyn, uh, those kind of things. 
And I am borrowing a lot from culture as well. And the Tootsie is from the Tootsie Roll, uh, which is a great American icon, uh, icon and, uh, and a classic and, uh, and also a part of uh, pop culture. So I like the, the combination of the two. I didn't even think of Tootsie Roll. I should have because I'm I'm from that generation. I hadn't seen the movie until after the name, and then people said, "Is it from the movie?" And I said, and "Then I saw the movie on the Broadway show, and it's a great movie." And Andy Warhol is in the movie Tootsie. He's got a scene with Dustin Hoffman, so it's on Netflix. So enjoy it and think of Tootsie Warhol. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool stuff. I hadn't even seen that before I before I did the name, you know. So wow. but, yeah. So uh, how can people support you? We got the website going across there. NY on Instagram and everything, TikTok, Twitter, everything. Tootsie Warhol NY, and don't forget Mind Dog One on Instagram, and then I mean he's very big on YouTube and podcasts and everything. Uh, you know, not on, not on Twitter though. Not on Twitter, right? But <laughs> I got banned from Twitter for follow him. Just hit that follow, and he's having <laughs> tremendous creative people day after day after day. I mean, he is a he loves his work. I can tell because he's doing it, you know, with such vigor and passion. I, I am. And kind of like you, uh, kind of walked away from a corporate world and said, this is what I want. I did this before the pandemic, just deciding, you know what, I've, I've always wanted to be in radio. I was in radio uh, when I was young uh, and always wanted to get back into it. And I thought it's just time for me to do what I want with my life. And mm -hmm. it, it, it's a kind of it's a kind of a brave thing when you're walking away from a steady paycheck to do something on your own uh, artistically. It definitely is. So. Well, the New York Times wrote a column on this uh, two weeks ago, and they said, welcome to the YOLO economy. You only live once, you know, and uh, uh, that is definitely a part of what I was feeling as I started doing the art and the activism because I was sitting there working at a law firm thinking, what can I do to, you know, work against Trump for this 2020 election? In 2016, I just sat around and watched TV and watched the news and just voted. That's it, you know. But in but then in, in 2019, I said, you know, I'm going to get off my butt and hit the streets and talk to people and you know and try and do things. And because you only live once, so right. And you, know? you you've never had any uh, theatrical training, no no artistic training. None, you've never no. you've never were in a, a class play or anything like that. I'm sure if you go back to elementary school, I was in <laughs> Okay. But no, I mean, as, yeah, from teens up through college. So I'm born 1985 and a uh, lawyer for 10 years. I've been an artist and activist for about uh, two. Uh, so better late than never. And, and you have Matt Napo and Tootsie Warhol living the dream. YOLO, YOLO, you only live once. So whatever you're doing, whatever you're curious about, do it, people. And... And that's the great thing about the internet and social media now is you can start, you know, doing what you're passionate about and sharing it with people. You go back 15 or so years, uh, you couldn't do that. So right. I almost know. named this podcast Living the Dream because I, I started working on a film based, uh, a documentary based on that because some somebody told me I was living the dream when they found out I was uh, playing in a rock band and they were uh, retiring and sell, selling me their amplifier, signifying that they were never going to play in a band. And it really struck me as, why not? I mean, you only get one chance in life, you know. <laughs> you only get one chance in life. And mm -hmm. so um, basically uh, I, I wanted to do spread that message of live the dream while you still can do whatever it, it is that's going to make you happy because you know you don't get a second chance at life but and so that's that's the whole message 
that's why I started this. That's what I'm. And, and I so, think that's what a lot of the guests on your show bring that kind of creativity and an entrepreneurial spirit. So um, keep up the great work and keep having great guests on the show. You too. And, uh, you know, I, I appreciate what you're doing. I, I think it's it's different. Have you gotten uh, um, any, like, uh, high praise from artists? I know you've gotten some uh, yes. recognition, but tell me yeah. about Tell me about some artist recognition. Um, I mean, I had a I had a Zoom with uh, with an artist. Uh, her name is Martha um, uh, Martha Wilson, and from Franklin Furnace. And she has she has done a Donald Trump impression, and she is really kind of a legend. Um, she's a generation older than me, and uh, <laughs> you know she. Uh, she appreciated what I was doing and gave me encouragement. Um, but yeah, people in the art world, slowly but surely, they're writing news articles. If you go to TootsieWorld.com, there's a lot of news articles in the art world. And uh, slowly but surely, people are appreciating that even though I might not ha know how to paint and sculpt at this point in my life, I'm not letting that stopping me from trying to live my dream and trying to do things that are creative. So you just, you know, you put your, your heart and your soul into it and you could do whatever you put your mind to. How about taking, uh, and I'm not suggesting you do this. I'm just asking if, if it crossed your mind. Have you taken any uh, classes or thought about taking classes in acting or comedy or any of that kind of stuff? I think about getting an MFA, Masters in Fine Arts, because a lot of the big fancy artists in MoMA and, and the Metropolitan Museum, you know, uh, have that type of a degree. It seems to be um, something that's important in terms of getting success in the gallery world. So it, I think about it. Uh, I'm looking at that, as Donald Trump would say, very strongly. Uh, so we will see. <laughs> hugely. Well, I, on that note, I wish you huge success, hugely successful. I hope you'll be hugely successful uh, <laughs> and, like nobody's ever seen. I, I really do the hands. I, re I learned it from Trump directly. So... <laughs> Not everybody can do it like that. No, um, you, you need to practice the accordion for several years. It really is an accordion. <laughs> the imaginary accordion. Well, I appreciate your time here, and I wish you great success. I hope people will uh, will check your website out and support you. The event is uh, the date again of the event. On May 14, 15, 16. Just, you go to Tootsie Warhol NY on Instagram, and you'll see everything about it. And make sure Mind Dog one on Instagram as well. Great. Thank, thank you so much for your time tonight, Tootsie, and uh, continued success. Thanks for coming, and uh, bye for now. That's to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Tootsie Warhol, folks. TootsieWarhol.com. Pretty easy uh, URL uh, to remember. Uh, interesting fellow. Interesting young man. And uh, you know what? Good for him for um, following his dream, doing something, just t having the ambition. I know he, uh, he stood up for his morals and ethics, uh, which got him in some trouble at the law firm for, for actually uh, doing the right thing. So, and then took his uh, ambition and drive to do something artistic. A lot of, a lot of uh, unique things had to happen uh, for the, for the uh, ducks to line up in a row as they did for him to be doing this. Again, very unusual art form. And you would only see something like this in New York City, folks. And I know a lot of people... Some comedians in general that I'm thinking of have been bad-mouthing New York City completely lately. But you don't see the kind of character, uh, performance art, and uh, just originality coming out of any place else in the world other than 
the Big Apple, New York City. That's what my big takeaway from tonight. I hope you enjoyed this program. I'd love to know what you thought about it. Info at MindDogTV.com. Info at MindDogTV.com. Tomorrow, what do we have tomorrow, Johnny? Uh, tomorrow um, at, at 1 p.m. I have Nick Gerard, who's somewhere on the other side of the pond, Finland, uh, one of those countries, <laughs> the Netherlands, something over there. Uh, and he's written a book, uh, true stories, 15 different stories of true, true life struggles of some of uh, history's most uh, important and recognizable names. Uh, so that should be an interesting conversation. I, something I want to bring up starting this Thursday, this Thursday night, we have something new for you. It's open lines every Thursday night. Uh, Viewer calls, the, the show is yours. Anything on your mind you want to call and talk about? Patrons, uh, members of the Patreon page uh, will receive a video link to join on the video version of the show. And so if you come to your show Thursday night, it's the dog pound is your dog pound. You, you run it, folks. I'm just going to sit here and moderate it. So I look forward to that, see if there's any interest in that. We're going to try that out. If it goes well, we're going to keep doing it. Uh, so that's Thursday night, the beginning this Thursday. I hope you'll join me then. Till then, I'm Matt Napo for the Mind Dog TV podcast. Thanks for coming.
me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now.